many of us have a voice in our heads that we don't want anyone else to know that we speak to ourselves like that. But we also, we wouldn't want anyone that we care about having to speak to themselves like that. If you want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life, this is the podcast for you. Join me, Joel Lulovich, and me, Lucy Dickens, as we share strategies and advice to help you keep your balls in the air. Welcome to the Juggle Podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. I'm Lucy Dickens. And I'm Joel Lulovich. Forgot your name for a minute. I totally did. <laughs> As you know from the title of the episode today, we're talking about mum guilt. And this is a really interesting conversation. When we ask our Facebook group members when they enter the group what their biggest problem is, most of the people say that it is time. Either not having enough time or not being organized enough or knowing how to manage their time or how to share their time between all the competing priorities. And when you think about it, well, when I thought about it, to me, what seemed to come out of it is an underlying element of guilt, guilt that you're spending your time in the wrong place, you know, that you are at work when you should be at home or you're at home, but you're spending it washing the dishes instead of focusing on your child. It's such an idea that we just don't have enough hours in the day to do all the things that we feel that we should be doing. Which brings us back to the guilt topic. If we're not spending our time how we think we should, that's when guilt comes in. Absolutely. Back in episode 18, we spoke to Joe's sister, Katrina, about sharing the mental load. And that episode is still one of our most downloaded episodes. So we thought we'd invite Katrina back to talk to us about mum guilt. And the reason why I've asked Kat is because not only is she my sister, whom I have lots of these kinds of chats with on many occasions, but she also is conveniently a psychologist. Kat's a counselling psych. And at the moment, she specializes in working with individuals and couples. And the couples that she works with are typically ambitious high achievers who are struggling under the weight of their ambitions and managing their different priorities in life. So welcome back, Kat. Thank you both very much. It's good to be here. You're our first guest who's come back. You should feel very privileged and special. (laughs) I do. (laughs) All right. So getting started. Lucy, we've talked about guilt a few times and I have heard you say a number of times, I don't really feel guilt. Is that true? Yeah, I've been thinking about this when I was, because I knew you were going to ask me this question and what was my answer going to be? <laughs> we hadn't even planned it. How did you know? But I just, we know. I Honestly, I don't think I do, but let's just qualify that by saying that Lily is only two and a half, so I still have, and she's my only child, so I have many years ahead in which I can, yes. you know, it, can it will come, don't worry. I think the reason is I read something once about guilt and I can't remember where I read this or who wrote it, but it was something about comparing guilt to a criminal conviction. So when you think of someone being guilty, you think of them having committed an offence or done something wrong. And ever since I read that, I thought, well, when we talk about mum guilt, is it actually guilt that we feel or is it some other emotion or maybe a a mixture of other emotions that we just call guilt because that's what everybody else calls it? Mm, What do you think, Kat? Mm. Well, first of all, I love the fact that whatever you're feeling, you're not experiencing it as guilt and and you don't experience it as oppressive. There might be times where you feel a twang of something, but where it doesn't get to the point where you feel troubled by it. That's fabulous. I think I'm quite aware of keeping in tune with how I feel. And so as soon Mm. as I identify something that I think, hmm, that doesn't quite sit right, I think, well, how am I going to fix it and what am I going to do about it? So I don't let it get to the point where it's gone on for so long that 
it starts to overwhelm me and then I get these kinds of feelings. Yeah. What do you think on that? I, we had a similar conversation in our Facebook group about what is this? If it's not guilt, what is it? And I can't think of the term to describe it. I don't know what it is. I just feel like it, guilt is quite a strong word. Mm. The only thing that comes to mind for me is the guilt or an alternative name for that is feeling like our best isn't good enough. Mm. You know, that somehow we're not good enough or that when yeah that what we're doing isn't good enough this is you know our children are our responsibility so from the moment you get pregnant from the moment you know more so when that baby is in your arms you have an overwhelming sense of responsibility for their safety for their future for everything and it's also overwhelming that you try and do so much for them but at the same time you can't control what happens so that's pretty overwhelming for anybody to have to kind of hand or bear that level of responsibility and this sense that we're trying so hard to do what we think is right and you know we've got so many comparisons that we make you know with social media and it's all in our face so much more Mm. that comparisons and I think too some people just have more of a tendency to focus on their failings rather than what they're doing well That's a very good point. Let's talk about some of the ways that people experience guilt because, you know, Mm. that's what I've said is just my experience and I don't Mm. switch off by thinking, ah, they don't believe in mum guilt. (laughs) We believe in mum guilt. It's okay. Oh, I totally (laughs) believe in mum guilt. (laughs) (laughs) So tell us some ways that you've experienced mum guilt, both of you. Oh, well, usually it's around the kids. Often it's that I'm not spending enough time with them. And that varies between not spending enough time in general and not spending enough quality time. So, you know, on the way to school, the last two mornings, for example, my son has said, oh, you know, something or other about the weather. And, but I wanted to go to the skate park. And I'm like, well, that's really good that you want to go to the skate park, but you know, somebody else is actually picking you up from school today. So they're probably not going to take you there. Or I'm thinking, no, we don't have time to go to the skate park after school because we've got to do all these other things. So I feel a sense of guilt that there's something that he wants to do that I feel like I'm not allocating the time for it, or I'm not prioritizing it in the way that he would like me to prioritize it. And then it might be not buying them the latest thing that their friends have, but that one doesn't bother me too much, especially at this age when they're, they're pretty young. I feel like I can kind of get around it, but I'm a little bit concerned that that's going to become more of an issue. Exactly what I mean, Lily's only two. So I've got all this to come, but yeah, I can see how that would come up too. What are some other things, Katrina, that you hear of with the women that you speak to? So starting with me, like I feel for me I work two evenings a week and for a long time the children didn't like that. You know, they would they didn't like the fact that it wasn't me picking them up. It was all right when I picked them up, wasn't it? Yeah, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah they didn't like that or they would, you know, I've had one of my children say to me, because I tell them that I work with clients, that that's what I'm doing. And they say, sometimes I feel like, this is the one line, sometimes I feel like you spend, you care more about your clients than you care about us. Oh. <laughs> do you think that was just a throwaway line or do you think that there was maybe really something in it? Look, I, I mean, I didn't really pay that much attention to it, although I, I love the fact that I love it that they can pull that together. You know, I quite like that they were able to to pull it together like that. For me, I just think disappointment is a part of life and I feel that we're modelling 
at times there are things that are disappointments, but they're not deal breakers in the sense that there are other parts to the relationship that are loving and an investment of time and, you know, where needs are met. And there are going to be times where it feels like your needs are unmet. But in the whole scheme of things, if overall your needs are met, then you're coming out on the side of a strong attachment and that's what you want for your kids in terms of developing resilience and a sense of that they're going to be all right in a world where not everything goes their way all the time. So it sounds like you've had this situation where your kids are putting the guilt trip on you and you're able to turn it around and say it's okay because, you know, they need to learn to be disappointed and that's helping them develop but it's also making you feel better. (laughs) So I had the same thing happen just a couple of nights ago when my eight-year-old said that she felt that I spent more time with the younger siblings than with her. And she specifically commented, I hate being the oldest because the youngest are getting more attention than me. And she was, you know, clearly identifying the fact that as an older child, she doesn't have the same needs in terms of, you know, she's not standing in the corner screaming her head off because she's not dry when she's out of the shower, you know. (laughs) And, you know, why do we feel all this guilt? I think that there's a definite thing that we do, Mm. whether it's articulated as guilt or not. Mm. Why does it happen? Well, I think for a couple of reasons, one being that societal pressures, you know, there's so much on us about, you know, how we look, what we do, how our homes look, what sort of schools the kids go to. There's so many pressures around those markers of what it means to be, say, a good parent, you know? So there's all that. And then Let's talk on that one then, society's expectations. So do you think that any of it or a part of it is not that we feel guilty because, not just that we feel guilty because there are these expectations about the way we should act and the way we should live our lives and whatever, but also expectations that we should feel guilty for doing those things? Yeah. Because this mum guilt is like this culture almost that if you're a mother, (laughs) especially a working mother, you will feel guilty about that or in some shape or form. Yeah. And, you know, it sells, doesn't it? It does. You know, when you feel bad, then you're going to look for ways to reduce that feeling and sometimes that means, you know, maybe going on perhaps more extravagant holidays, maybe Mm. more things, you know, a sense of, yeah, you know, and, and not that, you know, any of us as individuals are kind of thinking that specifically in a moment, but it's when we pause and reflect that sometimes that we yeah, might have the capacity to see that some of our decisions maybe are linked to wanting to soothe that, that guilt or that discomfort around not feeling like you're providing in some areas. It's such an interesting point, Lucy, because, you know, you do hear about those women who come out saying, I don't feel guilty. I got to work and I do it because it's important to me. It's important to, you know, my family's livelihood, having enough income and all those kinds of things. And it makes me a better person when I go to work. And I definitely feel those things, but I still feel a sense of guilt too. And in fact, sometimes I feel guilty when I don't feel guilty. If I go traveling over east because I have to for work or whatever, and I'm like, yay, I'm away from the house for three days and I don't have to get kids ready for school and I don't have to deal with remembering all the things that have to be remembered. And then you feel really bad for, you know. Enjoying yourself. Yeah. (laughs) I'm supposed to feel guilty about being away. I'm supposed to feel guilty. Yeah. 
So now I feel guilty mm. for not feeling guilty. <laughs> <laughs> I think the other thing I was going to say about that was just the time pressure. And, you know, with the introduction of the idea of flexible working and it typically being women who are exercising that right in the workplace or exercising that in their own businesses, like you, you know, there's this juggle. You're trying to do it all. And so there's an ever decreasing sense of time available to do the work, to do the kids, to do the house. And I think that leads to that sense that you're never doing it quite well enough because you're doing it all. I think that leads into the second reason that I think you were going to say, and I'm not putting words into your mouth because you mentioned this before we hit record, but that was that we feel guilty because not just because society expects us to, or we feel like we should, or, or those things we've just said, but also because we actually do care. Yeah, yeah, because there's such a thing as good guilt, you know, it comes from a place of actually caring, yeah. There's all this talk about guilt and, you know, on the one hand you can think, oh, well, big deal, you know, I feel a bit guilty, everybody else feels a bit guilty, it's just the way life is. But what happens when the guilt gets too much and it goes too far? Like what are we at risk at as women or men if we don't deal with it? It's debilitating. It can mean the difference between... I guess, mental and emotional health, well-being and not. If I think about some of the women I've worked with who are, um, that I, you know, some, some juggling work and family, but others not. And it's still, it's still a factor for stay-at-home mums who aren't working outside the home. That real sense of losing yourself, you know, I see this in women all the time, this sense of how do I be me? and be a mother. When I start thinking about what I would like, all that happens is I think about all the impact or the negative impact Mm -hmm. on the children and on the family. And then it feels insurmountable. It's like, well, no, that's too much to ask. No, that means that they're not going to be able to do this. Okay, it's not the best timing for me to go and do that study, or it's not the best timing for me to go away on a two-day break with my friends or if I look for work it's got to fit within school hours and if it doesn't then it impacts them negatively so this real sense of somehow not being able to get out of the starting gate sometimes and not being able to keep connected to who they are as individuals that's what I feel really strongly about is when I see women about how trying to encourage them to, I guess, keep working with that discomfort. Like, what do you like doing? What do you want to be doing? And it's not all, it can't all be kind of taken care of by what some people might say is self-care, you know, or go and have that, (laughs) you know. But it really is those difficult questions. Like, I'm happy to absorb the cost of my children having all the opportunities because that means I'm a good mum or a good parent, yeah? How does that concept that you've just explained tie into what you just touched on before that, which was what you called good guilt? Mm. Yeah, I mean, if you don't feel some guilt, then you're, you're um, at risk of the other end of the spectrum, which is, not a good, <laughs> which is not a good thing. Good guilt is our measure as a human being of when we've of stepped care. outside of what's reasonable in terms of relationships. Yeah. So good guilt is when we've done something and we recognise that maybe that wasn't quite right or I don't quite agree with how, I, how that made me feel or how that made yeah. me feel. And that's when we recognise and are able to make changes. Yes, and that might lead, say, for example, in your family, that might lead to you 
admitting and being honest with yourself about that and and then also being honest with your children because we're talking about Mm. families being honest with your children when you feel like yeah you didn't do the best thing there yeah being okay about apologizing and say yep on reflection I'd like to have done that differently and I will try next time you know that'll be in my mind to do that better next time because all the time we're modeling you know to the kids about what we want to see for them and that's a really good point because us having a lot of guilt and responding and acting as a result of that guilt is going to be demonstrated to our kids and they're going to potentially always see a mother who is acting out of guilt all the time you hear this from people or mainly adults now they've grown up that they when Mm. they look back and they recognize that and they say that whoever was never really there for me they just bought my love Mm. I'm buying you things because I don't really have time or yeah so what are the kind some of the things that we can do to deal with mum guilt so we don't get to a point where we're dealing with poor mental health as a result Mm. okay so one of the first things is around you know, time, pausing and aiming for getting real, getting some perspective. You know, mistakes will happen. And that's another thing that we need to model to our kids. Mistakes happen. They're normal. We're human. We need to get some perspective on what sort of family are we aiming for? What do we want for our kids? What do we want for ourselves? Whatever that looks like for you, there's no one right way or wrong way. Probably the number one thing that you read about online when people talk about mum guilt and how they get over it and, you know, deal with the the challenges of the day is, oh, my God, I'm going to crack the bottle of wine and have a glass. That's clearly not your number one because you didn't say it as your number one. (laughs) What do you think of that message? Look, a glass of wine or two, you know, it can be a nice reward at the end of the day. We we all know it takes the edge off. But honestly, again, you just have to be watching yourself. And, you know, from time to time, you know, there are things in your life where there feels like there's more pressure and you just have to be watchful for that kind of thing. I mean, not everyone is going to be at risk of that developing into something problematic. Yeah. But it's just something to watch for. And I guess the point here is that it's not a solution, is it? It's just a as you say, take the edge off, but it's not necessarily dealing with core issues. No, no. And sometimes that's because, yeah, people don't feel like they have the scope to make anything different. So it's just about how do I get through? I guess a lot of my work is about helping people feel that even in a time where there are, where they feel like there are no solutions because they've got in their mind that there are all these givens and these givens are immovable. Mm. So, you know, a lot of my focus with people is challenging those givens Mm. and seeing where there's scope, where they can, yeah, make changes. So what kind of things would you challenge? Well, first the idea that there's givens, (laughs) you know. (laughs) But another really important thing, and I'm not sure whether we talked about this before, but just that practice of self-compassion. You know, just becoming really acutely aware of the voice that's in your head, that inner critic, and being aware of how you speak to yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Many of us have a voice in our heads that we don't want anyone else to know that we speak to ourselves like that, but we also, we wouldn't want anyone that we care about having to speak to themselves like that. And we wouldn't speak to 
other people that way. Yeah. Yeah. I think there was an interesting little exercise I remember watching where someone was, well, two people were asked to write down the things that their voice in their own head would say to them. And then I think that they swapped papers and the second person had to read out to that person the things that they were saying to themselves. And it was just that exercise of sort of hearing out loud what someone would say in their head was just so shocking because you know that nobody would really talk to somebody else like that. And so it kind of, you know, brought home to that individual, why do I talk to myself like that? Yeah, and that's great if that realisation happens from that exercise. One of the things that I notice happens for people is that they'll have that kind of realisation, oh, that sounds awful, but then they have a worry that if I stop talking to myself that way, who will I become? You know, this sense that they'll just run away with themselves and they won't take responsibility or they won't achieve or somehow things will all fall apart. Like it's that harshness that is keeping them in line. Yeah, I think it's a balance, isn't it, between being able to reflect and give yourself internally or otherwise feedback and criticism is fine because that's how we develop and grow, but not taking that to the point where it's too harsh. Yeah, I mean, it's okay to have aspirations and and want to develop yourself, but often it's the, the paradoxical theory of change and that it's only through acceptance of yourself in any given moment, through that you will be able to move more towards how you want to be. But all of this being better and doing better and not being good enough, it actually provides the opposite conditions to change. So comparing ourselves to others. Yeah, that's a really tough, bad one, you know, and especially (laughs) with the realisation, you know, there is so much the comparison that goes on, you know, particularly with social media and and even just, you know, if you're going to play groups and, you know, which are all really good community-based solutions to isolation, you know, they're great. But there's this flip side where, you know, we start talking about how we do things or what we think is the right way and and then we internally think, oh, I don't do it that way and we go away and worry about it. <laughs> yeah. So you mentioned that you had a list of things that we could do to try to get ourselves over mum guilt. We've touched on a few. Can you give us some more? Yeah, another one and number three and four kind of go together and I'll need your help to flesh it out a bit. But just remembering that with your children, love is all you need. Yeah, God, I love it. I just feel like going into the Beatles song. Woman fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) But number four is (laughs) love is not enough. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> what do I do and with this? <laughs> I say this to my husband because he's, I think at heart he's quite the romantic and, and I come in and say, yeah, but love's, love is not enough, you know, love's not everything. And he really struggles with that. But what I mean with that is we need some boundaries and, mm-hmm. you know, we, we need to be able to set boundaries with our kids, we need to be able to set boundaries in with ourselves you know, that kind of thing. So love isn't just about giving people what they want. Yes. So that's what I mean by that. And also just that looking after yourself too. If it was all about giving them what they wanted, then you'd never have any time or energy for yourself. Yeah. And I mean, therein lies the issue, you know, like some people will be struggling with, well, you know, I didn't have a mum who 
wanted or seemed to need time for herself, you know. Yes. <laughs> and trying to emulate that. Yes. And another one is to counteract that um, focus on, on being critical is what are you doing well as a parent? Celebrating those wins. Yeah, you know, just the little things, you know, like really, really making yourself come face to face with what do I like about how I parent? Yeah. What do I want to do more of? And is that a little bit of mindfulness in there too in terms of, you know, when you are having a good moment as a parent, actually being conscious of that moment and going, this is a good one. Yeah, and I like that because of the focus on moment to moment, you know, because we can get a little bit too focused on happiness, if you like, and it being a an overarching ambition, you know, that there has to be an overall sense of yeah. contentment or happiness. You're always looking to get somewhere. Yeah, but, you know, life isn't really like that. There are moments of everything you know? and yeah. it all just goes together to make the mix of life. Yeah, that makes me think of um, Laura Vandercam when we interviewed her about time and our perception of time and how we manage our time as parents and she spoke about the different types of self, the experiencing self and she had a whole bit in her book around this idea of moments and mm. how you really need to enjoy them as they happen. And that by doing so helps to expand the experience of time so it makes those things feel longer. Yes. Oh, that's really interesting, yeah. Yeah. Just because of that sense of um, working mothers being amongst the most time-pressured people that we know, but the perception of time decreases when we're busy and trying to yeah. do, do everything, yeah. Yeah, that's exactly her point, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So another one would be, and I don't know, this is hard for some people and it might seem kind of patronising, but the words I have in front of me are don't sweat the small stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I guess everybody's small stuff is different. Yeah. One of the things that I always think of is, well, maybe somebody, <laughs> here I am questioning myself already. Um, you know, like I was going to say the small stuff is letting the kids watch too much TV or yelling at them too much. And for somebody else, that's probably not small stuff, but you know, that is exactly the same thing that came to mind for me, oh. TV, which is funny <laughs> because I've been, I've told everybody on the podcast before during my pregnancy, I've been really quite sick and I've not really been spending much quality fun time with Lily. And we would normally go to the park a couple of times a day and we'd go for walks and we'd play and sit on the floor together. Whereas honestly, for the last, I don't know, two months, probably I have been happily encouraging her to watch TV. <laughs> Please watch TV. Please don't talk to me. Please just entertain yourself and do those things. And I could feel guilty about that if I wanted to, but no, I'm not going to feel guilty Good. about that because I'm sick and I'm pregnant mm. and I'm growing a child and it's a small period of time in the rest of her life and I'm doing my best. And she's probably enjoying watching that TV, Lucy. Yeah, same movie over and over again all day. But whatever, as long as she's happy, yeah. <laughs> I can rest. But yeah, that is small stuff. But there would have been a time, probably before I had Lily, where I would think, no, I'm not going to let my child watch TV all day mm. because that's not how I want to parent. But those things change. Yeah, and I think if we could bottle what you just said and, and if we could provide the means, you know, because if, if someone doesn't feel that way, if someone doesn't feel like they can release themselves from the pressure 
but somehow they just loop back into. They want to. The cost of that feels too great to release themselves from that. That's when I would just encourage people to talk with their friends or, you know, talk to someone because that's a little seed of something that is a potential little warning bell that you just have to watch out for yourself. You You don't let that grow. But I think this can really help by being real and being honest with each other because I could have said I've been really sick but I wouldn't have let my child sit and watch TV all day I'll sit on the floor and she can play her you know and that would have been a lie and when we just before we started recording this we did a little Instagram story and we were all looked at our backgrounds and thought what have we got in the background and I've got the washing (laughs) kitchen and the washing up and then I thought actually it doesn't matter that's normal and that's life and I think if Mm. we're all a bit more real about that we can help each other to become less concerned about their own real yeah definitely yeah so last two well I think that kind of carries in with what we were saying about community and you know the community that you two are growing and nurturing that's an important part and those face-to-face meetings and all the other parts of that kind of fall into the category of community for women and also one around managing expectations just (laughs) you know our favorite Um, thing yeah (laughs) we talk about it in terms of work don't we and professionally and managing expectations and and just needing to do that on the home front and when you said about being able to let go of the pressure that you might feel about the way you're supposed to act that is about managing expectations or maybe not so much managing but letting go of the ones that aren't important yeah yeah. Well, sometimes it's just understanding what your expectations are, because I think when we become a parent, you know, no one's taught us what to do. No one's, you know, shown us the way as such, other than having grown up and experienced our own parents and perhaps mm. had involvement with a few other friends, parents and those kinds of things. There's no, been no real training or teaching and you don't really ever sit down and go, what kind of parent do I want to be? It all kind of seems to happen very naturally and you just you know have you know people usually make comments like well this happened to me as a kid so I don't want to do that or I really liked this when I was a kid so I want to make sure that I do the same thing for my children and you don't never really articulate a big list of this is the kind of mum I want to be and it's only really when you start to feel guilty because you haven't done something that you go oh well I hadn't even really necessarily identified that that was something that was important to me And then you have to ask yourself, is it, as you said, really important to you? And that's why good guilt isn't, I really like this idea of good guilt, but that's why good guilt is important because though you can feel it and you can acknowledge it and you can reflect on it and then you can make changes if necessary. You might decide that this guilt is not actually guilt and it's completely okay. Mm -hmm. And I love the idea of talking to other people. You know, that's the one thing that gets me going through a lot of these things mm. is having the both of you and and you know other friends to chat through these things with so I can kind of test the theory sometimes I'm feeling guilty about this or I did or didn't do something and and see what sort of reaction you get from other people mm. to let you know if you're completely thinking crazy thoughts or if perhaps there might be something to where, where you're thinking so if you're not in our community yet come and join us on Facebook at the juggle community which is at facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the juggle community and we can happily be your sounding board for whether or not you should be feeling guilty whether it's good guilt or not good guilt. <laughs> 
And Kat, if we're going to leave everyone with like one thing that they should do, I don't know if you want to say it's on a daily basis or to do this week or to just keep in mind, what do you think the most important thing? Or a mantra. Or a mantra, yeah. (laughs) You know, this is going to sound, you're going to probably laugh, but as you've been speaking towards the end, you know, all I'm thinking about is wanting to tell people and wanting people to believe that they are enough. So I am enough. And that's sometimes for some people the hardest thing. You know, that's quite confronting to some, yeah, and probably to all of us at some point because that in itself is what you typically want for your children. You want them to be comfortable with who they are. I am enough, yeah. 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 You know, that feeds into all that stuff about you're not perfect but you are enough. Life's not perfect. Children aren't perfect. Our world's not perfect. But in that, I am enough. You are enough. Well, there you go, guys. You heard it here first. You are enough (laughs) and you need to remember that. We can't leave this topic, though, without just touching on this one quick point, which is about the fact that what we're talking about is all well known as mum guilt. And what about dad guilt? And why don't we talk about dad guilt in the same way that we talk about mum guilt? And do dads feel guilty too? Or is there an expectation that they feel guilty too? Or should they be? If we have to feel guilty, should we make sure they do? (laughs) (laughs) Look, I've worked with dads too um, on an individual basis as well as, you know, in a couple's counselling situation. And I would definitely say that there is peculiar to women. Maybe it's just not spoken about as much. I don't know. Yeah, I think, you know, there's so much more of focus, isn't there, on we want to be the best parents or we want to provide the best, whatever that means. You know, our means may be greater. We know more. There's so much more information. Yeah, so I think that it's not peculiar to us, but I don't know that what would come up if I Googled it. I'm going to do that now. (laughs) My experience of it is that men just seem to be better at getting over it quicker. You know, they might feel guilty at a particular occasion if something happens, but they don't tend to dwell on it. They tend to acknowledge, I'm not really happy with what I did just then, and they move on. Kind of like what you were, you were saying earlier, Kat, is, is a way that you should deal with, with the guilt, is in, acknowledge what you're not happy with, what you didn't really like, but don't let it fester. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Good thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> Be more like a man. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We are actually planning a follow-up to this interview next week where Lucy and I want to talk to you all about doing some self-care stuff. And, you know, it's tips and tricks that have worked for us in terms of how we manage some of these feelings of guilt, this need to be all and be everything and get it all done. Yeah. And as Kat said, we accept Kat that it's not all about self-care in terms of how to deal with mum guilt, but Mm. it is you know, part of it, caring for ourselves is part of the, the bigger picture of our, of our mental health and our physical health. So we are going to be talking about self-care. And it's also one of the things, another of the things, maybe even second to time that people say they struggle with. First is time. And then it's also time, finding time for myself, making time for myself, caring for myself. So listen out for that next week where we will be talking all about self-care. Thanks again for joining us, Kat. We'll see if you can make it to um, a third time back sometime in the future. Something to aim for, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks again. Thank you. 
Thank you so much for listening. Make sure you hit subscribe in your podcast app to receive notification when our new episodes come out, including ways to prioritize self-care that will be out next Thursday. And while you're there subscribing, we would love it if you would also leave us a rating and review, which will help other people like you find our show. See you next week. Happy juggling. Happy juggling.